Hey everybody, this is 80s wrestling fan Brian, and I'm here with another episode of Legendary Wrestling Figures. I've got my friend Tim from Pulling Up a Chair back as a guest. Really excited to talk with Tim again. If you're looking for him on Twitter or whatever Twitter is uh, looking to be called right now, he's at a chair shot and, uh, and excited to talk some wrestling figures and some of the latest goings on in the world of wrestling. How's it going, Tim? I'm doing good, man. I, uh, I'm excited to be back on the show and uh, was up all night thinking about getting back on here. So thanks for having me. Yeah. So I was wondering uh, when you, uh, I don't know if you saw the releases from San Diego Comic-Con, been a little while ago now, but uh, were there any new figures that uh, were announced that caught your eye that you think you're, you're going to be trying to track down? Any highlights for you? Yeah, I mean... Um... The adult me thinks I should probably be a little more responsible, but the the kid in me that always wanted this kind of assortment when I was growing up, and you know, as you know, we were very limited with our LJNs and uh, Hasbro's. It, there's so many figures out there that I'm interested in, um, older ones as well as new guys today. I still a lot of guys my age I I hear saying, you know, I'm I'm out on any modern day stuff but uh there's still some of them that i like to get i'm far from a completionist but um yeah there's there's a ton I, i'm gonna be spending quite a bit of money i'm sure coming up in the months how about yourself oh there's i'm trying like like you said i'm trying to cut down on what i'm getting but uh those new big rubber guys we'll talk about eventually those have my eye and then uh uh, there's a, I never thought they'd have a WCW ultimate Roddy Piper. And so when I saw that and how cool that one looks, I, I'm pretty sure I'll have to get that. And then, uh, they had shown George Steele and Roddy Piper in the, um, action before, but, uh, I think it goes up for order in September. I'm definitely going to get that. And the, the heart foundation ultimate, uh, uh, the Coliseum collection, I'll, I, I won't be able to to stop myself from getting those either. So those are <laughs> those are a few of them that I'm that I'm looking at that I I know I won't be able to resist. Yeah, they're they're coming strong with that whole assortment, and um, it's one of those things where you already have them in LJN form, and they're kind of doing a a nod and a toss back, and uh, you still can't lay off. You still got to get them, or at least I do. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's a uh, it. <laughs> The only gripe I have about the uh, the Roddy Piper and George Steele, um, aside from it just being a weird pairing, like I would have thought Roddy would have come with Orndorff or somebody else, but, but I'm excited to get George Steele with the Mind Doll. Um, I just wish they would have uh, done the red um, ringer tee with Roddy. I don't know why they didn't put the little red rings around his neck and on his uh, sleeves since they did upgrade the the shirt logo to have yellow and red and they did upgrade to have the uh the blue knee pads and the trunks um so it was a that's the only little gripe i have i guess is not having the the red ringer tee that they call it i guess or whatnot well you just changed my answer because as i was hearing you I, I was waiting to say that i believe the um the t-shirt is that they're trying to make these you know, a direct nod back to the LJNs in the same gear and everything. But then when you said they changed the 
color of his uh, knee pads and boots. That just threw my answer out the window. I got nothing. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, getting the getting the proper trunks and the proper knee pads being blue on those. I was I was thinking the same thing. I thought, well, they'll they'll probably just go with the red to have it match. But they switched that up, and then just that one small detail of the red ringer T. So. You know, maybe it'll uh, maybe they'll change it before it ships. I don't I don't think so, but but I'm always jealous when I see people that have a uh, a Mattel Roddy. I didn't collect them when they uh, they had one with the nice red ringer T. So I'm I'm always jealous when people have the hot rod shirt with the red ringer T. So uh, oh well, that, that that's just how it goes. So um, yeah. What about? Uh, uh, the big rubber guys. Uh, what are your feelings on they? They introduced an Andre figure, but I think they're trying to figure out how to package it because they they announced the uh, the three that are up for pre order. I think you have to order them before August 25th. But it's uh, Ric Flair, Sergeant Slaughter, and uh, and Marty Jannetty. Are you uh, are you in on those big rubber guys figures? Uh, I'm not yet, uh, but that's only just because there's been so much going on. Um, I kind of, if there's a Sarge, I'm in for that for sure. And then uh, the flair was incredible, um, or he looks incredible. Yeah, so I'll, I'll probably be in them. I don't think I'm, I'm definitely not going to do every one that they make. I'm not, I'm not going to do modern day guys in that line for sure. So like uh, Cardona and Myers, I, I won't pick those up. I won't, I don't think I'll get Andre. I think on that line, it's going to be limited to either guys that they never offered in LJN or guys that they didn't really do that great. Now they're doing them uh, more to my liking. It'll probably be the ones that I'll dive in on. Did you happen to, uh, to see the pictures of the Sergeant Slaughter that they're doing or? I haven't seen that. So it's it's pretty cool. They um, they went with the prototype uh, from 1984, where it was basically the mold of Snuka and and came with the hat that was removable and the and the glasses that are removable. So it's kind of cool. I got to uh, sometimes Matt Cardona will get on Spaces on Twitter and and do a live chat. So I got to get on there and talk with him a second time. And I asked him about it and he has one of those unpainted prototypes of, of Sergeant Slaughter um, that had the removable hat and glasses. And he said that he was taking pictures from like every angles and sending that in to, to the design team so that they could get it as close as possible to that original prototype um, back when they thought he was going to be part of the first line and they uh they used the same basic mold to make snooka but uh but sarge went to gi joe so they didn't end up making his figure so yeah it's uh i'm sure they didn't it, i don't know if you saw that uh, uh that special on ljn's that cardona and, and uh, myers did with conrad thompson on christmas a couple years ago but but he showed that figure off on there it's on youtube it's a couple hours long and it's worth checking out and uh, apparently they used uh, the sunglasses from the LJN release of a Michael Jackson doll that they used for the prototype. So uh, these probably won't be Michael Jackson shades, but they should be real similar. But, uh, but yeah, I'm excited about that figure for sure. Um, oh, wow. I did, yeah. so, the, so the Snuka mold is what they were going to use for Sarge? Supposedly, yeah. Like, um, I'll have to send you a, uh, a screenshot of it. Um, and like I say, if you ever get a chance to watch it, 
Uh, it's a couple hours. It's on YouTube and it's a major figure podcast, uh, history of LJNs where uh, Cardona and Myers spent the night at Conrad Thompson's house and, uh, and did a full, uh, you know, YouTube video going over, you know, variants and, and prototypes. Uh, he shows off a killer con uh, prototype. Uh, they have a, a Miss Elizabeth, uh, Miss Elizabeth figure that was made after hours that isn't, uh, isn't appropriate and that they uh, blur out. There's a lot of cool stuff on there, but they, uh, <laughs> They so they show that Sarge, and it's basically like the uh, the right hand up is kind of, is almost like a salute, but yeah, same basic uh, form as as Snooka. So that's the rumor is it was it was going to be Sarge, and they uh, they switched it over to Snooka when he signed with GI Joe. So yeah, that that figure for sure. I was I was kind of wondering if you'd be after the Andre, just because I know that you're not crazy about the bent knees and the new Andre they're going to come out with. It'll have the the black singlet stripe will be on the correct shoulder. It'll be over his uh, his left instead of his right. Whereas uh, the LJN Grand Toys, they uh, they put it on the wrong shoulder. Um, but oh. also they've they're going to have him standing straight up, so he'll tower above the other LJNs. So uh, darn you, Brian! I'm already. F- I, I don't know if you can hear that, but those are the cracks. I'm starting to cave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't know if you knew about that stuff yet, but I figured you might be. <laughs> Yeah, and and Marty Janetti, I'm really on the fence with Marty. Um, that's the like I feel like I, I ordered demolition, and I feel like I gotta get uh, Flair, and I gotta get Sarge, but um, but I don't know if I'm gonna pull the trigger on Marty at, at 50 bucks each, even with free shipping. It's it's just gonna be tough. If they they said something about wanting to release uh, a couple of these every couple months, and it's just just the budget thing and the space thing that comes into play. Yeah, another few another few thousand dollars a year into the old budget if you try to get them. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I've, I have heard on the Marty that I've heard different things, of course, uh, and I don't know anything, but um, some people were talking about the possibility of them somehow getting Shawn Michaels. And though people say that's impossible, that couldn't happen. He's, you know, a WWE guy through and through. Um, they kind of just mentioned, you know, like, uh, the Andre getting made and Macho Man getting made by other companies now, and that this may somehow they may somehow be able to work this around since WWE doesn't offer LJN type figures that somehow they may be able to pull it off. So if they if they are able to make a Sean and you can have a set of the Rockers, man, I'd I'd be all over that. Yeah, yeah, it's uh it's like that uh, James Bond movie uh, where Sean Connery had said. Uh, they'd never play James Bond again. So then they came out with never say never again. And this is going way back in I think 1983 or something, but where Sean Connery came back and played the role. So I always think of uh, never say never when you think about stuff like this and, and who knows, maybe, uh, maybe Matt Cardona develops a relationship with, uh, with WWE over those figures. And, and they, uh, they do come out with something like that. That would be pretty cool. Yeah, of all the secondary uh, toy line, I, I mean, I'm calling them secondary. I don't mean to sound disparaging, but you know what I mean. The yeah, the, the guys that don't own a, a multi-million dollar toy company, uh, if if there's one that could get it done, it's probably them. Yeah, they uh, they seem to know what they're doing, and 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 I do love that they're reviving that uh, that type of figure. Uh, I'm not going to go in on. Have you seen the bendies that they offer also? 
I have seen those, and I, I I might pick up the Sarge, but other than that, I'm I'm not doing that. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna stay away from that line, but uh, but I hear you. It's tough to you know to to not get uh, Sergeant Slaughter stuff. And and tell me, you got to meet Sergeant Slaughter at uh, I think it was Stockton Comic Con recently. How did uh, how did that experience go for you? Oh, it was awesome, man. Yeah, I, I got to meet him, and um, and I actually was able to spend quite a bit of time talking to him. Uh, I, I hit him at a point where there wasn't many people around and started talking to him and just talking to him about, you know, my fandom and basically him being like, you know, the one of the anchors, if not the anchor that really got me into wrestling. I always kind of say Sarge got me in and Piper made sure I wasn't going anywhere. Um, and, uh, yeah, he couldn't have been a nicer guy. Just, uh, spent time talking to me and was talking to me about different things like big John stud and just a lot of cool stories, man. Really had a good time talking to him. You, you probably know it, but if you don't know it, I want to share that, uh, Sergeant Slaughter and Roddy Piper were like super good friends. I don't know if you knew that or not. I didn't. So, um, so in Roddy's book uh, that uh, that his kids finished a few years ago, uh, Rowdy, the Roddy Piper story, uh, they told a story about how there's only been two pro wrestlers that actually went to their their house in Oregon, and one of them was Hacksaw Jim Duggan. I'm sure it was sometime after Legend's House. The other one they mentioned was uh, was Sergeant Slaughter, and uh, it's, I think they called him Uncle Bob. Uh, you know, Robert, Robert Remus, Uncle Bob. And so I know he has a, a real special relationship with the family. And so I had put something on Twitter about that. Um, I've done it a couple times and he responded recently and said that there are actually three wrestlers that have been to Roddy's house. If, uh, if he and Hacksaw had been there, because he said when he went to Roddy's house, he brought Rick Martell along with him. And so I thought that was super cool. There's a, a Rick Martell, Roddy Piper story. Um, that you may have heard also that goes back to uh, the fa- first major news story that I remember from my life, which was Mount St. Helens. I don't know if you remember when Mount St. Helens exploded and how big a deal that was. Oh yeah. But, uh, but yeah, Roddy and uh, Rick Martell were riding and I believe it was Rick Martell's new uh, either Corvette or Camaro, some convertible. And they were up there when the, uh, when Mount St. Helens exploded and they ended up uh, running into a, uh, a semi-truck trailer and, um, and crashing and then having to hitchhike to the next show and they helped other people on the road and everything. So, so there's all these little sidebars. It's like six degrees wow. of separation with, uh, with Roddy Piper and Sergeant Slaughter and you know, Rick Martell. And, and so, yeah, Roddy and, uh, and Sarge are, are tremendously good friends. I've, I've even, I believe I saw something where Sarge told a story and I've seen the, the yellow notepads, but you know, those big yellow uh, legal pads of paper that people would take notes on. Sure. So Roddy would uh, write down all his promo ideas on those. And I think Sarge says that he was either with him or helped him come up with the uh, I've come here to chew, you know, to kick ass and chew bubble gum and I'm all out of bubble gum that I believe Sarge was with him when he came up with that. So, oh, wow. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. yeah so he, it's... He, he was really open book with me and he was talking about I mean, I, I go on uh, the, 
the X and see all these people sending out messages, you know, disrespecting Sarge and saying he's a has-been and he's stolen valor. He wasn't really in the military and all, all these weird, just kind of like, well, I guess you weren't there. So I kind of feel sorry for you that you didn't get to experience him. But um, all those kind of comments, like I, I think a lot of wrestling fans don't have a really good understanding of who he is or how important he was or how big he was. And just even the story of like how close it was that he was going to be in that Hulk Hogan spot, not Hulk Hogan. And it was this whole GI Joe thing that kind of, turned those events around you know a lot of people don't know that stuff but um real fascinating stuff like how he came up with the cobra clutch and he had a different name for it and and vince didn't like the name and they changed it to cobra clutch and then he it tie it all tied in with gi joe and it's just it he's he's got some really cool stories man he's amazing and it and like you say it just it kind of upsets me the lack of respect that people have and and uh, and he never, I don't know, this whole stolen battler thing kind of bugs me too because he has stories of like there's countless people that decided to join the military because of Sergeant Slaughter and it's it's like you know you're gonna you're gonna disrespect a legend in the sport and not listen to his input after all that he gave you know life lifetime achievement wise to the industry and and as an agent also. And they're just going to show all this lack of respect to uh, to a legend, you know, literally that that brought led, you know wrestling to the forefront in many cases and and tied in the whole GI Joe angle. So yeah, there was so, there was something going on with Lacey Evans and it and it was something to the effect of like somebody was saying she was really in the military, you weren't, and so you don't have any right to tell her anything. You're a has been, and it's like I you know I. Some I always have to stop myself because I'm getting ready to like fire off on somebody and I'm like, dude, stay out of it. But <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm just thinking, you know, yeah, if he was telling her how to work in the military, yeah, of course, maybe he shouldn't say anything. But we're talking about him explaining to her how the wrestling business works. And I, I don't know too many people that have a better place to speak from than Sergeant Slaughter. Yeah, I know there's been this issue with she didn't like, I don't know, historically, it, it seems that the right thing to do if you're going to use the Cobra Clutch and and uh, be so similar, um, even though she was in the military, if you're going to be that similar, it seems like there'd be a common decency in the uh, the industry, at least there used to be, where you might, you know, ask the guy if he's still around, if you can do that. And I think he said something about her sexualizing the, uh, the image. And so people jumped all over him and, and kind of took sides and, and yeah, it's like I said, it's just unfortunate the lack of respect people give him. And I think a lot of them, like you say, just aren't old enough to remember or weren't fans when it happened and, and didn't see what he did. So. Yeah. There's yeah. not, there's never been anything like, his connection and and uh you know pop culture and toys and wrestling as far as i'm concerned he did it the biggest and uh and nobody's matched it to this day in my opinion yeah yeah and uh and he told a story too about how when he was having such a trouble um or such a hard decision about becoming the face of gi joe or sticking with uh with the wwf and he says that that his wife was all responsible for that. And that she's the one that said, well, there's plenty of uh, wrestling superstars. There's, there's, you know, 
there's no other living GI Joe. So it made the decision. That's right. It made an easy decision <laughs> for him, you know, and, and I know he gives her all the credit. So for helping him to, to make his mind up and, and yeah, that crossover appeal is like none other, like you say. Yeah. You can't point to anything similar. Yeah. He wasn't giving out those little, uh, coins. I know you, uh, you reached out a little for me. I appreciate that. But, uh, uh, he now has this Sergeant Slaughter challenge coin. That's pretty damn cool. Where if you do get to, uh, do the Cobra, Cobra clutch with the uh, challenge that you get this awesome little commemorative Sergeant Slaughter coin. So, uh, I'm excited that you got to get your hands on one of those. Yeah. Thanks man. Yeah. I, I thought if maybe, I mean, the guy was so nice and so friendly and so accommodating. I thought, well, it doesn't hurt to throw it out there and see if anybody bites the line and, and hooks you up. But, um, yeah, it's a cool piece to have, and it's uh, it seems pretty quality. It's not, you know, I thought it'd be like, I don't know why I would think that, because knowing Sarge, it wouldn't be. But I just assumed if you if he's making them, it, you know, how quality would it be? But it's a pretty cool quality pin, like pen, like out of a pin, out of a uh, like from a mint or something. It's not it's not like a cheap hokey, you know, hand painted thing. It looks like it's a something that they had made on a high, high level or, you know, uh, mass production. Yeah. Very nice. Definitely. Um, last time we went over, uh, uh, a few different figures, um, on the last two episodes, we, we went over big John stud. Then we went over hillbilly Jim. Um, on this, this episode, I was wondering if we could go over, uh, your thoughts first on Nikolai Volkov as a, a wrestler and on his, uh, LJN figure. Yeah, Nikolai's, um, as a kid, I mean, he was such a big, brute-looking guy that, you know, a um, little bit different than some of the big muscular guys or almost kind of like a hybrid between some of the big body muscle, you know, muscular body guys and the um, and kind of the larger, like, Bundy Bigelow guys. He was kind of like a – I always saw him as kind of like a hybrid of those, but uh, – I, I always dug Volkov. I, um, I I don't think he ever really got much of a run as a singles competitor, but in the tag, well, in the WWF at that time anyway. But um, yeah, he. Uh, I always dug him doing the national anthem. Uh, I liked his uh, song on the wrestling record that they put out. Uh, yeah, I, I was always kind of he was kind of always that second tier guy for me too, whether I was playing with figures or watching wrestling, he was always the guy He was never really my favorite, but he was always right there, you know, right in the conversation. Yeah. I think before we started watching, he had some um, main events and may have even done time limit draws with uh, Bruno Sammartino, like way back when, cause I think he started in, uh, Oh, maybe 1967, and I want to say he was one of the Mongols, like Beppo Mongol, Mongol, and and I think, like I said, I think he had a couple. Uh, I think he had a short run with Bruno on top, so he was probably, well, he was definitely at the later stages in his career when when you and I got to see him in in uh, in the ring, and and yeah, I loved that uh, that Russian national anthem that he did every time before it. Yeah, I probably knew that anthem uh, second only to the United States. <laughs> yeah, and and the amount of the amount of heat that he would get for doing that. I mean, people fans were throwing stuff in the ring and 
Which is kind of funny when you think about it. Like when the NWO formed, it was a big deal that people were throwing drinks at him. That was every night for Nikolai Volkov. That wasn't a a big event. You know, it's like um, the other thing I was going to say, Brian, is could you imagine today or not today, but can you imagine back then if they had the technology of today and had been able to like follow Sheik and Volkov around and some of the hilarity and stuff that must have come from them traveling and yeah yeah they I guess they couldn't have been more different like Nikolai was uh you know super straight laced and uh and stay at home and save your money versus Sheik of course was the ultimate uh good time party guy <laughs> so it's interesting um yeah that, that would have been great television yeah definitely yeah the uh I like that you brought up uh, Bigelow too. I love that when they when they brought Bam Bam in, the first guy he uh, he feuded was Nikolai or feuded with was Nikolai, and uh, and you know I always thought Bigelow should have probably been a heel, but they just had this lack of baby faces with injuries and and Duggan getting fired and you know all this. You know, so they they brought him as a baby face in '87, and it was something where when you first he- heard him like start yelling at Nikolai, you're like, okay, it reminded me of Mike Tyson where Bigelow's like this monster, but his voice was never, uh, was never great. At least that first year as, as far as promos. So having a manager with him was the way to go. And, and I just thought he should have been a, a heel, but I, you know, I liked that they, uh, that they paired him off with Nikolai at least. It's funny you say that with the manager. Are you talking about Humperdinck? Yes, sir. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, I never felt like Humperdinck ever said much. I don't know if I'm misremembering that, but I felt like he was kind of like there, but silent. He he didn't do it. You know, he didn't stick around too long. He only had Bam Bam and Orndorff and uh, at least in WWF. And apparently he was, you know, a huge deal as a heel manager in, in like the Florida area and that before, before uh, WWF days. But, um, but yeah, I think with uh, Hacksaw getting, uh, fired with with Sheik in like May of 87 and with uh Jake Roberts had either an injury or a drug issue where he was out for a good chunk of the middle of 87 and and uh superstar Graham they had plans with him and and he got injured eventually Patera got injured so I feel like they were and Piper left so they were you know they they'd switched Brutus uh to babyface in 87 at WrestleMania 3 they eventually switched Morocco to babyface. They switched Savage to babyface. They were looking for a B and C town star to try and fill the gap of some like Hacksaw that took off. They had fired Junkyard Dog right after WrestleMania three and ended up hiring him back. And so I feel like they were just searching for a, a second tier star for the B and C shows. And, and they gravitated towards uh Bigelow when, when, like I say, he might have been better as a heel, in, in my view. But anyway, oh, yeah, long... I agree with that. Yeah. Anyway, um, so as far as the uh, Nikolai LJN, I'm sure you had uh, Nikolai as a kid, right? Nikolai and Sheik, probably both. Yeah, I, I had the two pack uh, with the belts on that one, um, and uh, I thought the likeness was pretty good. I honestly, as a kid, I, now that I'm older and I'm not, you know, sitting there have matches with him it doesn't bother me nearly as much but it always bothered me as a kid when they came with the shirts on so whether it was morocco or nikolai i always i think i may have even like taken some 
something, some solvent or something and like taken one of their shirts off and then realized it's better just to have them with the shirt on, you know, but my imagination couldn't see past the shirt for some reason. I wanted the shirt off, but um, I, he had the accessory with the hat, which was super cool. And um, having chic, cause I, I had an original chic from the single set and then I got the two pack. Um, it was, it was cool to finally have, cause by then Sheik and Volkov were tag in. And um, as a kid, I just remember as these waves would hit, it was this new thing that we never had done before. And so you were playing with Sheik for a while and then on TV, you saw him with Volkov, but there was no Volkov. And then, so the line would come out like, Hey, Volkov's going to be in the new line. And, and you get this Volkov figure and sometimes you didn't even get a heads up. You just go to the store and there he was. And it's like, holy crap, there's there's Volkov and now I can have a tag team partner. And I'm I'm not really too good at which ones I got tipped off that they were coming out and which ones were surprised. But there was a fair amount of both as as my memory recalls. But um yeah, he was a great a great addition to the line at that time because now you had a tag team finally. Yeah, and I was uh like I say, you, you started in right at the beginning of 84, like right when it really kicked off. And I didn't start watching until a couple years later, like April, May of 86. So the first line I remember like seeing commercials for where it was, oh, well, there's new figures was, uh, was when the uh, bring home all the action commercial for 1987 line <laughs> and kept showing showing all the different figures and I was just like, Oh my God, there's so many this time. So yeah, that was, that was the first time I remember seeing that there's all these new figures that came out that I need and I want. So I hear you. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like there was some tip offs, like, you know, today it's all 100% spoilers, you know, every single figure months before they come out. But I think back then there was weird things like, they'd have a new commercial and there was a guy that wasn't in the line that was now in the commercial. And so you're like, Oh, wait a minute. Is that, is that where this is going? So, um, and then like primetime wrestling would get figures and have them out on the desk or something. And, and you'd be like, Oh my God, you're, you know, I'm sitting here watching on this little tiny, whatever, 12 inch screen TV with the rabbit ear antennas and a grainy picture trying to, there was no pause button or anything to zoom in. So it's just a whole different world, man. I loved it when they had those figures on the desk at prime time. That was, that was great stuff, you know, and, and I guess gorilla was always uh, bitter that they didn't make a figure of him. So it was funny with him, like stapling a weasel tail on Bobby's figure or having to have a little stuffed animal gorilla on the, on the, uh, <laughs> on the desk there since they didn't make one for gorilla monsoon. Yeah, and his is one of the rarest, very rarest Mattel figures there are, I think. I mean, that one was pretty, I mean, not rare in the sense it's, you could probably go online and find one, but they're pretty expensive and uh, they weren't easy to find when they were out. Yeah, yeah. One of the, uh, one of the uh, pro wrestling stories articles I read, um, somebody from LJN was talking about how all the, all the wrestlers were always super nice to deal with and they were all excited about having their own figures. But I think it, it was something where gorilla monsoon always stood out to him because gorilla was always like wanting them to, to make one of him. So I thought that was uh, that, that's good, good stuff right there. 
<laughs> I always I always wanted them to make one of them too. I I was really big on having my announced teams and uh I I'd, I'd use the Heenan figure and put him off to the side and I I can't remember. I had some other line of figures that I had I didn't have the Vince McMahon figure, so I had to come up with my own Vince and then I had Jesse and so I always wanted a grill at a you know put in there and have my two teams of announcers. Totally. Yeah. I didn't have Vince either. And, and I had Jesse in it. And like you said before, the, it would have been cool if it had soft, good shirts for not only the rest of Jesse, where he could, have, you know, had a, a more announcing outfit you know, or uh, gear just cause I, I don't remember all his wrestling was done really before I started watching. So I knew it was more of a, of an announcer, but, uh, but I had Jesse as well. So, yeah. Which, uh, what kind of star rating out of five would you give the Nikolai figure? Um, I would give this, uh, Nikolai. The only thing I, I, the only knock, if there's one was just kind of the, uh, the arms were a little bit, uh, hard to do moves and stuff like that. I, but I really like the figure and especially now, like, uh, if I had one, you know, mint paint and mint hat on and everything, um, just the way it appears and everything, I'd I'd go for a four point two. Nice, yeah. He's yeah. uh, he's I lo- the face likeness and everything is really good too. So I'm a I'm a fan of the figure and and anytime you just grab that old Nikolai, it does take you right back to, for me, 1986. For you, probably 1985 or so, 1984 when when those uh when those came out and and just holding that guy, there's a lot of nostalgia involved in that one in particular. Yeah, it was a great figure. Um, what about uh, the original Andre the Giant, uh, as far as the long hair version of Andre? What are your thoughts on that figure? <laughs> well, um, as I mentioned the last time I was on with you about uh, Big John Stud, or maybe the time before, um, I wasn't a big fan of the bent knees. And honestly, something about his skin tone was kind of reddish and is yeah i just think if there was a figure they just got wrong in all of them it was probably that one um i i can't think of another figure off the top of my head that i was less impressed with let's put it that way um yeah yeah aside from the uh the pose on rick rude it did seem like andre was a little rushed or a little half baked for sure yeah, he kind of had these little wimpy arms, and so next to Big John Stud, you know, Stud's arms were jacked and way bigger than Andre's. And I, yeah, Andre looked kind of like what do they call those people now? They call them skinny fat or something like that. He he kind of had the skinny <laughs> legs and the skinny arms, but with the big stomach and then the bent knees and the the face. Just I, I just thought it was a miss, man. Yeah, totally. What kind of uh, what kind of star rating would you give Andre? Um, just because he was in the first set and one of the very first guys that I got, I, I, I won't, you know, completely knock him off the map, but I'll, I'll say a 2.5 just to try to be kind. There you go. You know, 50%. Not bad. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. One of, uh, there's definitely problems with it. The other thing, I don't know, I've got them, uh, I've gotten several of them used and, uh, him unlike any others it's like when i'm going to clean those off with the q-tips and the acetone it's like there's always like this yellow film so maybe it's something where i've been unlucky and most of them have come from like smokers homes or or something but it seems like his figure in particular it's like they've uh 
they've not aged as well as some of the others. So who knows? Yeah, and I would have to say in adding to that mix is that they were probably played with harder and more than all the other figures, you know, because they were there from day one. So they definitely took their uh, fair share of bumps, I would say. Yeah, they're getting close to 40 years old. So, yeah. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, <Yep>. <laughs> scary. <laughs> scary, man. Yep. Well, um, let me wrap up this episode and then uh, – if it's cool with you, I'd love to have you on again and uh, and talk some more uh, wrestling, wrestling figures, and uh, probably go over J- uh, Jimmy Snuka and uh, Junkyard Dog next time. Does that sound cool with you? Yeah, it does, man. Um, we're only, what, maybe a couple hours away geographically, but uh, only one phone call away. Anytime, man. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much, Tim. Uh, for anybody out there, uh, uh, before we go, I, I, I want to do uh, – I, I kind of love how uh, – Drew and Caitlin on Tales from the Estate are always giving shout-outs. Um, so I'll, I'm going to give a, sh- a shout-out to uh, Drew Vensel and Caitlin Vensel and Tales from the Estate. I just got a, uh, a nice prize package uh, from them. Uh, I was fortunate and won a, uh, a digital duck race on one of their contests, and so they hooked me up with all kinds of extra goodies. I, I got an autographed picture of uh, – King Kong Bundy, that's something that's uh, rare and special. Um, Pento, Pentas uh, Cerro Mieda, uh, they gave me an autographed picture of that. I got um, what I believe is a one or maybe one of a kind or one of a few uh, tales from the estate. Um, th- uh, basically like a, a clean canteen, like a canteen type of uh, cup holder or cup. And uh, several other awesome goodies, and I, I love listening to them. And I know what uh, great buddies you are with, with Drew in particular. So I want to give a shout out to Drew and Caitlin, and and ask you if uh, if you would like to piggyback on that, or if there's anybody you'd like to give a little shout out to. Yeah, shout out to Drew, man. He's um, he's a great dude, and um, been a real big supporter of mine, and uh, and I and likewise me with him. And it's it's so cool that you are connected to him and um, listening to his show and having him on and everything. Uh, there's so many good people in the community. I, I, I would hate to leave anybody out. So I'll just piggyback off with, off what you're saying and say, uh, shout out to Drew. Um, I love his podcast. It's my favorite podcast in the world, including like all the professional ones. You know, I just, that's the one, uh, the one podcast I refuse. Well, I guess I refuse to miss yours now too, but uh I, I just love what he's doing. I love the setup of his podcast just uh, with the whole tales from the estate, you know, with the tales from the crypt thing and uh, all, all the horror stuff that he's into. I'm not really even a horror guy, but I kind of have always been endeared to the characters and thanks to Drew. Now I'm kind of like, you know, trying not to start wandering off into that because I see all the figures out there and stuff. But anyway, yeah. Big, big love to the Vensels and, uh, and I love the podcast and Drew. Yeah. There's such a, uh, a truthfulness to the way that they present everything and the way they get along. I just love listening to the dynamic they have together and, uh, so happy that they get to share that experience every week with, uh, with all of us out here who love to listen. So you're going to have to help me push them, dude. I'm trying to get them to, they're a morning show and they, they need to be on the air every day. <laughs> yeah yeah i'm sure it's tough raising two uh two one-year-olds but uh yeah. but i hear you i hear you yep um 
So thanks again so much, uh, Tim, for being on this episode of Legendary Wrestling Figures. I will reach out to you again soon. And uh, all my best to you and yours, my friend. Right back at you, brother. We'll look forward to talking to you soon. All right. Uh, For Legendary Wrestling Figures, this is 80s wrestling fan Brian. Thank you all for listening and take care.